0: You're listening to Halford and Bruff. I think the Vancouver Canucks know that Patterson is going to be very highly paid.
1: Give me the money. Three, two. That's hit a mile. High, deep, and long gone. Off the bat of Danny
0: Jansen. Oh, boy. There we go. To center. Back by the wall. Julio!
1: Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintex Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, wow. Laddie. Good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Hopefully, the dogs were okay with all the thunder and lightning that's out there. I know you guys don't like that at, by nature.
2: I was a bit scared.
1: Were you? Yeah. Was it a tough SkyTrain ride in this morning? Thunder, lightning, shooting down. It was. I had a blanket.
2: <laughs> you might have to hit the brake a few times. I'll be hiding under the table. Did, <laughs> did you climb into your owner's bed? <laughs> I did. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
1: Halfred and Rev in the morning is brought to you by the Delari Family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by Johnstone's Barbecues. You don't pay more to shop with the experts at Johnstone's Barbecues. They're open five days a week with two locations to serve you. Visit them online
0: at johnstones.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintec.net. I can feel it on the horizon. The weather's starting to change. Mm. News
1: is starting to pick up. Kids are a week away from being back in school. Could only mean one thing: the real sports season is about to begin here. Could only mean one thing: Canada, Latvia,
0: basketball.
1: Twenty-eight minutes away. <laughs> Twenty-eight minutes away. You see, France went out this morning and or overnight, wherever it is in Jakarta, I don't know, but um, they decided to salvage their reputations by barely squeaking past Lebanon. <laughs> Barely. What a, what a disaster yeah. of a tournament for them. That's I don't even know how they go home. Probably on a plane, but right. I digress. Okay. Uh, guest list today. I'm really excited for a few of our guests. Beginning at 6.30, James Sharman is going to join us. He of Room 442 in Footy Prime. Uh, soccer analyst here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Now, we booked Sharman yesterday when our show finished. Unbeknownst that a few hours later... John Herdman would leave his post as Canadian men's national team manager and take the job at
0: TFC. Herdman loves going to rebuilding programs. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of questions following this. Uh, Number one question is why did he do it? Like specifically, what was the biggest reason he did it? And then a bunch of other ones, maybe even bigger than that one, actually Uh, like who's going to replace him? And is this going to help or hurt the program? Yeah. Um, we gotta, we're gotta hosting a World Cup Well, that's in three years. See, that's going to be the
1: dangling carrot for the new gaffers. Hey, look, you're going to get to manage at a World Cup. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the non-dangling carrot is the lack of money they have to pay
0: the new manager. <laughs> the stick.
1: Yeah. Basically, you actually get you have to eat the carrot. It's the only way we can provide nutrition. So 6.30, James Sharman is going to join us for a little footy talk. Here on the Halford and Brush Show on SportsNet 650. Uh, Seven o'clock, Randy Mueller is going to join the program. He is the former general manager of the New Orleans Saints, the Miami Dolphins. He's now the director of player personnel with the XFL Seattle Sea Dragons. He also used to work for the Seahawks in a player personnel role. Uh, we're bringing Randy on the show uh, for his experiences as an executive because today is NFL cut day. And unfortunately, one of the guys that is officially going to be cut today is Nathan Rourke of the BC Lions, which we will get into later in the show. That's right. If you're hearing this for the first time, Jacksonville is waving Nathan Rourke. So we're going to talk to Randy Mueller at 7 o'clock about that. 7.30, Ian Furness is going to join the program. Uh, Ian Furness, of course, from KJR Sports Radio in Seattle. We will talk to him about the red-hot Seattle Mariners. We'll talk to him about the Seahawks, who are now just a week away from the start of the NFL season, and so on and so forth. 8 o'clock, Tyler Yuremchuk is going to join us. Oilers Nation, daily Faceoff. Uh, he's going to join us to talk about news out of Edmonton with regards to PTOs for Sam Gagne. And former Canuck Brandon Sutter. We'll also talk to him. Well, I guess former Canuck Sam Gagne as well.
0: Right. We'll also talk to him about... Trigger, ne- Trigger man on the power player, remember? Yeah, that that the well. bumper spot. I remember that. No, he didn't play the no, bumper spot. No, what did he play? He played
1: like, the, the point. point. Yeah, that's right. God, that was and it was time. like, put him in
0: the bumper spot. That was right.
1: He had a spot. And they're like, no, no. <laughs> we're going to put him on a different <laughs> one. Anyway, uh, Tyler Urumchuk e. is going to join us. We'll also talk about the Connor McDavid uh, comments in that interview with Mark Spector over a week ago.
0: Well, I, I also, too, want to talk to him about just about the expectations in Edmonton. Don't forget, this is the team that the Canucks play twice to start the season. First in Vancouver, assuming the scoreboard is hung, is hung, <laughs> oh, uh, hung, oh. hanged. Uh, the uh, and then again in Edmonton on the start of their five-game road trip. So the Edmonton Oilers could very well frame how the Canucks start their season, and this is a team that is not very happy. Uh, about getting eliminated by Vegas, Mm -hmm. and I have a feeling they're going to come into this season hot. So uh, working in reverse on the guest list, 8 o'clock, Tyler Uremchuk
1: to talk some Oilers, 7.30, Ian Furness from Seattle, 7 o'clock, former Saints and Dolphins GM Randy Mueller, and at 6.30, it's James Sharman for a little footy talk. So not only did the stream not work this morning, we also were not streaming online either. I'm putting this on the weather, by the way. You guys were just rattled by the thunder and
0: lightning. We're all yeah. good now?
1: Are we smooth? Yeah. We're yeah, we're streaming online. It was yeah. just a little hiccup at the beginning there. Yeah, just a little the, hiccup the, the that th- caused
0: 500 people to text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Yeah, Just did. a little hiccup.
1: Yep. The only thing that gets people's attention more is when I talk on the hot mic, which will also happen today. I can mm-hmm. almost guarantee it. Anyway, got a big show ahead. Without any further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened.
0: Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was...
1: What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Are we starting with Herdman? Are we starting yeah, with Herdman? I, think so. I feel like we got to start with Herdman. John Herdman, uh, who I, he is the most decorated, most celebrated, and best manager. In Canadian national team soccer history because of his work with the men and the women's team, he's now left the national program entirely to take the head gig with lowly Toronto FC. That was announced on Monday, just hours after we got off the air. Uh, longtime assistant Mauro Biello will take over on an interim basis, and he won't have much to do because the Canadian men's national team won't play a game again until a friendly later in October against Japan, if I'm not mistaken. So, all Mauro has to do is inherit this team temporarily that doesn't have any games to play. And quite frankly, I don't think it has a lot of direction right now. Um, John Herdman left. He took a job at TFC with a, an organization in MLS that is at rock bottom right now. Like I know it's a big managerial gig in North America. I know there's only a handful of those gigs available. But it's not like Herdman took it to go coach Messi at Inter-Miami. When is this press conference, do you know? I am unsure. Okay. I imagine it will be tomorrow,
0: today, or the day after. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thanks no, you're for welcome. You're it welcome. Down. It's you're probably welcome. like four days from now. It's probably next week. Um, so why did he do it? Um, well, MLSE owns TFC, so uh, I'm, I'm sure they uh, paid him a fairly handsome salary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder how much of it was just him – frustrated with the situation with Canada soccer, or maybe just him personally needing a change. Like people will be like, how could you do that when you're hosting a world cup? And he may, might be like, well, I went to the world cup, mm-hmm. right? Like I experienced it and it, and it went great. He right? also, Remember how awesome it went.
1: He also may not see himself surviving till the next world cup. That this might may be one. They, this may have been a preventative. Move on his part. Look, this is Joshua Cloak of The Athletic, who we've had on the show before and who was the first one to break this news yesterday, said this this was the worst kept secret Mm -hmm. in soccer circles in Canada. Everyone knew this was going to happen. And Herdman had been sort of painting the outlines of his exit, sketching it, if you will, for the better part of two or three months. There was that brief flirtation with the New Zealand mm-hmm. job the All Whites which is people were like you're going to leave Canada for New Zealand he said no yeah. you're going to you leave should... Canada for TFC also you shouldn't call it the All Whites <laughs> right i mean that's a team name it's not i don't i don't make these things up i just read the news like ron burgundy but um <laughs> the larger thing here is that after that in which he kind of repledged his allegiance to Canada then you had the second phase of his exodus which was openly airing his displeasure and openly airing the dirty laundry about lack of resources, lack yeah. of funding, lack of everything. And he I think the, the final nail in the coffin for him anyway was when he said that we need to get serious. I wonder
0: during those two tournaments, it was the CONCACAF uh, Nations League, right? Nations League and, and Gold the Gold Cup. Cup. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he knew during those tournaments that he was leaving.
1: Probably. And if it is, I will give him some credit because he did make the Gold Cup about um, playing new players and finding the next generation. And I guess it could be seen, if you're the biggest optimist on the planet, of him passing the torch to whoever takes the gig next. That, look, we've got some good young players that got some international experience. Well, I
0: I would more luck at it if he knew that, that it was his way of actually helping the next coach by kind of taking the bullets and being willing to say, hey, listen... We, we, we got to get serious here. Sure. So the, the new guy doesn't have to come in. Yeah. And piss off anyone, any of his bosses at Canada Soccer. I'll be really curious to learn more about this. I don't know how much we're going to learn in the John Herdman press conference, but maybe someone, hopefully some reporters are going to dig into this. Well, what's another question you'd have? Uh, just the timing of when he knew. Mm. And, I mean, yeah. and, 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 and And why, And the well, the biggest one was like why he left because if he left because he didn't feel that there were enough resources for the Canadian national team if he felt that that was like truly a roadblock mm-hmm. then it's going to be a roadblock for the next guy sure and i do think that's because, a part of it because again we how many times have we been through this right like the revenue model for canada soccer is in trouble mm-hmm. because canada soccer business only gives them a set amount yeah right I- like there's no there's no way for them to raise more now, there had been talk about revisiting that deal, et cetera, et cetera, but I don't know where that is. It's kind of like, like, hey, where's the Hockey Canada report right. that, we, <laughs> you know, that we've been Stay. promised for? I was reading this interview with Bill Daly. Um, I think it was with Mike Russo of The Athletic. He's like, it's coming soon. You're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what you said a long time ago. So with Canada Soccer, when are they going to revisit this business model? How, how are we as Canadians – who um, taxpayers are going to be forking out a little bit for this World Cup, right? Whether it's city, provincial, federal, whatever, right? To host this thing, to provide security. And I know there are going to be some gains from it, but I personally would like to know that we're hosting the World Cup. It's a massive deal. And I would like to know that our national team that is going to be part of that has most of what it needs. Maybe not everything. Like I'm not I don't want England funding for I don't I don't demand England funding or, you know, that that sort of level for the men's soccer team. But I would like to know that they're like, well, we can afford to play friendlies or I we can afford to practice and we can afford to bring in all the resources we need to give this team the best chance of not winning the World Cup, but you know, representing itself the way we as Canadians want them to. So James Sharman's
1: going to join us at 630 to discuss all of this. He was very busy yesterday doing the media rounds because everyone wanted to get answers to the questions like the one Jason was posing here. But as we move along for what happened, we're going to stick with the Canadian content, but it's not going to be a positive story. Uh, John Herdman one wasn't really great either. This is not a great development Um The rumblings were out there for a while, and my naivete aside, I guess I should have seen the writing on the wall a little more clear because Canadian quarterback and former BC Lions signal caller Nathan Rourke has been waived by the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is per multiple sources. The news will be made official today because today is NFL roster cutdown day. It's a big day to get your house in order, get to the 53-man roster, maybe try and pick some other people up like Nathan Rourke, but... The decision to waive him comes after an incredibly good preseason. Maybe one of the best preseasons in the NFL by a quarterback.
0: Yeah, but he's the third quarterback. So if they need to get someone else on the roster that they feel is going to be more important to the team, then they're going to do it. He's still Nathan Work, the guy from the CFL. If they lose him on waivers, they'll be disappointed, I'm sure. But they're going to survive. (laughs) Trevor Lawrence is their guy. If they're at the point where they're playing, where, where the backup quarterback matters anyway, if they're playing CJ Beathard or Nathan Rourke, something has gone horribly wrong for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, as important as it is to Canadian football fans and Canadian sports fans, what happens to Nathan Rourke, it really isn't for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It just right. isn't. Now, will he get picked up by someone? Uh, I know some of the CFL hardcores. were talking about maybe the Buffalo Bills picking a, picking them up. I, I have no idea who the backup to Josh Allen is in Buffalo. I, I don't know the backups for. I don't know the third string quarterbacks for everyone in in the NFL. Like th- this is just this is what happens when you go from a big fish in a small th- pond, which was Nathan Work last year in the CFL, uh, down to the NFL where there's a lot of talent and. There are a lot of politics, right? There, there are um, relationship previous relationships that that teams will have with, with players. Um, there is the fact that Nathan Rourke has zero regular season experience in the NFL. And say what you will about C.J. Beathard, I couldn't pick him out of a lineup, but he's played in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. And when he goes to that team, like I, I know you were talking about, like, well, Nathan Rourke made the big decision to sign with Jacksonville. You thought we we thought well at least he's going to have a shot at competing for the backup role, mm-hmm. but that was before C.J. Beathard signed. Yeah, well, what do you think C.J. Beathard's conversations with uh, Jacksonville were? What if he what if he had another team interested in him and he goes to Jacksonville and he's like, I'm competing with a CFL guy here? Mm-hmm. I'm not signing, then. And they are like, okay, you're the number the, two guy. The, right? the
1: rare time in C.J. Beathard's career where you can big time someone. Yeah, no, yeah, I yeah, get yeah. it. I get yeah. it. Uh, a dog has a Nathan Rourke update. This is this is why I was rooting for him. This is why I was cheering for him. What a nice fella. Now, can you explain what's going on here, Andy?
2: Oh, well, yeah. He just texted me back just literally a second
1: ago. Mm-hmm. said, sorry, it's not the right time, but thanks for reaching out. See, what a nice guy. We tried to get him on the show. He's incredibly polite. Yeah. Well, we
0: were supposed to have Curtis Rourke. His brother. Yeah. On, on the so show I tried today. the second Rook. <laughs> yeah, 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 well, are <laughs> all the Rorks. Well, yeah. did, I asked Nathan, "Do you have another brother I can talk to?" It's actually, to? <laughs> uh, it's actually um, not not super tough. I mean, it's it's uh, the the, the Rourkes are going through some challenges right now. Nathan Rourke trying to figure out which team he's going to play for, um, and Curtis Rourke, his brother, um, who's coming off an injury. Yes, he is just. He, did, did he pick up another injury? Potentially, they okay. they
1: seem to be treating him with the kid gloves at Ohio, not Ohio mm-hmm. State University,
0: just Ohio University. Curtis Rourke actually yeah, gets quite a, quite a bit of attention um, in college football circles, right? right. Like a- any time there's, I-, I know he plays for Ohio, mm-hmm. and people will be like, "Well, want to really plays for Ohio, like it's quarterbacks, the Mac, can, baby." But quarterbacks can come out of anywhere, yeah. right? Um, like North Dakota, State. and we talked about the top quarterbacks um, that might be teams might be looking at to draft. Um, you know, it's Caleb Williams out of uh, USC and Michael Penix out of UW. And there's a couple of others. But Curtis Rourke is is getting scouted pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that his brother went to uh, the Jags, and he, even though he might, might, might not make the team, he didn't look out of place. And, in fact, he made a spectacular play. More people are going to be like, oh, okay, well, let's look at Curtis Rourke. Yeah. And apparently with Curtis Rourke, um he has a better arm than Nathan Rourke, mm-hmm. but Nathan Rourke is the more um mobile, mobile guy. Yeah. Yeah. I think Curtis might be a little bit bigger. He's a little five. beefier. He's six five. Yeah, man. six five, right? Yeah. People
1: are gonna look at that. So to answer some of the questions that were coming in on this, and Andy asked me before the show, he's like, Well, do you think Nathan Rourke will return to the CFL or maybe the BC Lions? Quick answer no. There's still way too much money, even on the practice squad for him to consider coming back to put this in perspective. Uh, I last, last check, you make $12,000 a week on an NFL practice roster by average. Now they could pay Rourke more if they so choose, because you can also carry a third quarterback on your 53 man roster on game days yeah. in the event that something happens like what happened with the 49ers in the playoffs last year where it's mm-hmm. like, Christian McCaffrey, you're now our quarterback. Like They don't want that to happen
0: again. Guys, he's, this is something he said, so let's listen to his words. He's chasing his dream. His dream is to play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. If that hurts your feelings that his dream wasn't to play in the CFL, so be it. Your feelings are hurt. Mm-hmm. His dream is to play in the NFL. And he's only just started. Even being on a practice squad, Maybe that's just step one for him. He is going to focus on the NFL. He is still young. He can come back to the CFL anytime. But right now, his focus is in the NFL, even if he's on the practice squad.
1: More Canadian content here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650 and more of the not-so-positive variety. Monday was not a good day for Canadian men at the U.S. Open. Milos raunic he was always going to be in tough, taking on Stefano Sissipas. By the way, if you'd like to see Sissipas in action, you can at the Labor Cup in Vancouver uh, later this fall. Uh, Mi- Milos, a couple of moments. From, he's now 32 years old. That makes me feel old, even though that's not that old. Six two six three six four against Sissipas. So he's out. The bigger story, and I kind of buried the lead here, is that the Halford and Bruff jinx appears to be very much alive because we spoke with Felix uh a couple months ago kind of in anticipation of the labor cup. And he's lost a whole bunch of tennis matches since talking to us. I can't say those two are related, but they very well might be. We have a tendency to jinx things. He gets dumped yesterday to American Mackenzie McDonald, who sounds like a folk singer. Uh, another early exit, from a significant tournament, Felix said that he felt like his health was turning a corner in a good way,
0: mm-hmm. but his tennis is not turning a corner in a good way. Yeah, and he's he's going to be one of the star attractions for the upcoming Labor Cup, along with Stefano Cecipas at, at Rogers Arena. Um, yeah, I I feel bad for him. It's I don't I don't know what's what's bugging him, but he hasn't won very much in the last little while. Well, he's he's at the point where his
1: pressers now are him talking about. Uh, I, like, I was born for this. I'm not going to let this completely derail me. I know I just got to figure some things out. So he's very acutely aware that he's not just in a slump. Like, he's not getting out of the first round of any tournament right now. Yeah. And he's losing to, honestly, a lot of American guys that are ranked in the hundreds. Like, it's not.
0: What, what was the guy he, he lost to? Uh,
1: that was Mackenzie McDonald.
0: He sounds like a Canadian.
1: Like I said he sounded
0: like a folk singer. He sounds right.
1: like two Canadians, Mackenzie and McDonald. It's true. Double the Canadian. Only American. Mac-Mac. Mac-Mac, yeah. So, it's not great for Felix right now. He's in a bad way. Uh, Who's not in a bad way? The Toronto Blue Jays. Laddie was happy. He was trying to find all the audio from the Jays game yesterday. Because Vladdy Guerrero did something, and the Jays won a game. Now, here's the thing. And you can take this into next season. The Jays' secret success, secret recipe for winning is don't play any games in the AL East and play all your games against the National League. Mm -hmm. Because the Jays crush it in interleague play they're 27 and 14
2: playing and the- really bad teams also helps yeah that's yeah good. That, that that's that's, uh, yeah, that that's two good.
1: strategies
0: is yeah, only yeah, play
1: yeah. bad teams but uh Danny Jansen Homer scored three runs I mentioned Vladdy uh he drove in a pair so the Jays get a much-needed victory 6-3 over the Nats
0: so the Jays were missing uh Bichette and Chapman yep um Bichette's not on the injured list, D- right? Davis Schneider
2: and Ernie Clement left side of the infield for the Blue Jays, just as awesome. we all predicted.
0: It looked awesome. There's talk that maybe Vladdy might play third?
2: He was taking some grounders. It's like an emergency scenario it would <laughs> yeah. have to be. but Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so how do you think Bichette will be back in a couple of days and Chapman will be a little longer?
2: Last word was they're still doing tests on Bichette, so I'm holding my breath. But yeah, Chapman, I think it's his finger again, they said. So he, he just missed some time. And it looks like it might be a little bit longer. Schneider's played third before, though coming up, so I'm I'm not overly worried there. But the Bichette one has me a little worried.
0: Okay, so James Sharman is going to join us next, and we'll we'll try and we're not going to get to the bottom of the John Herdman story. I don't think quite yet, Um, but we'll start digging because this decision by John Herdman to go to TFC um, it's not like the most shocking thing in the world. But John Herdman himself has called MLS a tier three league, right? You remember when he was talking about uh, how we need more tier one players? Oh, yeah. Maybe even more tier two players. And I think he was asked, like, okay, where's MLS? He's like tier three. Yeah. So he decided to take a tier three job instead of continuing to manage the Canadian men's national team, which, again, I've said this a million times, will be playing in the 2026 World Cup in Canada. Mm-hmm. So why did he do that? Who's going to replace him? Um, and we'll talk a little English soccer too with James Charm, start of the EPL, his thoughts on the various clubs over there. You're listening to The Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.
3: Missing the Canucks? Subscribe to the Canucks Central Podcast and get alerts for breaking news episodes. Daily shows return in September.
1: 631 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. A little more CanCon for you here on the program. Canada, Latvia, underway from the 2023 FIBA World Cup in Jakarta. Are Latvian basketball fans as crazy as Latvian hockey fans? Yes, you didn't even have to finish the question. I knew where you were going (laughs) with that. They are 100%. (laughs) Latvians love watching other Latvians play sports. I don't know what it is. But yeah. they just think it's the greatest thing on earth.
0: Are Doesn't... they? Uh, are they really good at anything? Do they like? Do they have a sport? Um, is it like? Sport? That's a good question, actually, like because being they... sports fans.
1: Yeah, well, because they're small. That's obviously, obviously, kind of right? mean. Why? Are you guys good at anything?
2: Their national sport is hockey.
1: Their national sports hockey. Is it? Yeah, I'm just curious. <laughs> but they've also got like multiple guys in the NBA, Kristaps mm. Porzingis, who's not right. like like everyone's got a Porzingis jersey there right now. And uh, they've got uh, a lot of different players playing in pretty high-profile leagues mm-hmm. in Europe. So like, they've got, I think the, how would I describe this? Per capita, they punch above their weight, like given right. their size, right? They okay. shouldn't really be able to compete with some of the nations that they compete with, but they do it at a variety it. of different levels. Yeah, Out of enthusiasm. Yeah. That's the most I've ever thought about the Latvian sporting landscape in my life. Wikipedia
2: is also saying basketball could also be the national sport. So it's it's a toss-up. They're killing it right now. It's either hockey or basketball.
1: They've hit three threes to start the game. They're up 9-5. So this game doesn't matter but does matter, if that makes sense. Both of these teams are going through to the next round, and they're both going to be in the same group. But the record carries over. So, yeah, Canada absolutely wants to finish 3-0. They were 15-and-a-half point favorites coming in, so we'll see what happens here. We'll be keeping tabs on this throughout early, early times at the Canada-Latvia game from Jakarta. Okay, uh, Halford Half and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. We are in Hour One. James Sharman is going to join us in just a second here to kick off the back half of Hour One. Hour one is brought to you uh, by Johnstone's Barbecues. You don't pay more to shop with the experts at Johnstone's Barbecues. They're open five days a week with two locations to serve you. Visit them online at Johnstones.com. To the phone lines, we go. Uh, we are joined now by our next guest. Uh, you see him on Footy Prime. You hear him on room 442. It is James Sharman here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, James. How are you? Good morning, fellas. I'm doing great. Thanks. How you doing? Uh, we're well and thanks for taking the time to do this we appreciate it so we were joking that when we booked you originally it was before we got news of this massive sea change at canada soccer with john herdman leaving to take the tfc gig we were just going to ask you about liverpool primarily but now we've got a whole bunch of <laughs> yeah, other things to t- yeah we'll do it at the back end of the interview but uh this was a big development i know you did a ton of media yesterday so you've got some practice and rehearsal here on these questions but first big question real simple why did john herdman do this uh,
3: listen, that's, that's a really great question, actually. There, there's a press conference today at 3 p.m., um, and, and we'll ask him that question. Um, and, and he'll answer. He'll say it was the right time for a fresh challenge, the right opportunity. And, and I really believe that. But, of course, the, the narrative here is what's happening at Canada Soccer right now behind the scenes, how there's no money, there's no resources, and, and how I can only imagine the frustration levels that the, he's had and the coaching staff have had And clearly it was a good time to leave that that dumpster fire right now for another dumpster fire. But I I do really believe that John Herbman's wanted to get into club football for some time now, a long time. That was always the the long-term play for John Herbman. And when Toronto FC comes, that job comes up, um, it's at this point after 12 years with the national program, it's a relatively easy choice. I think it's the right choice. So, he left because he wanted to you know, further his coaching career, but it sure is convenient to leave the mess that is Canada soccer right now.
0: James, how does the funding shortfall, if we can call it that, how does that affect the Canadian program? In, in what ways? Like, what are they not able to do that they would like to do?
3: Play matches. And sadly, that is a big part of it. Yeah, there's a window in September where you could play two games, and there are no games scheduled for financial reasons. The, the next game's in October uh, against Japan, a, a really, really good match. That's a great fixture. But they can't afford to play in the most recent window in September. So if you're a coach, um, that's obviously the worst-case scenario, and that's what John Herbin's being faced with. Um, other age-grade levels are also missing games as well, so the, the development's being um, uh, challenged here. As as well, so that that's the biggest thing. And for for Canada soccer, maybe the biggest concern about John Herman leaving it isn't so much that they're leaving, you know, losing obviously a very good coach who's had some some good success with both programs. But John Herman would literally knock on doors, getting money for that program to finance his mm-hmm. staff, his resources. Um, he was a salesman as much as he was a football coach. So they're losing their top salesman as well which is enormous. So, you know, the, the money situation, it is what it is. Um, I know the term bankruptcy was was thrown around. They're not looking into bankruptcy. That's as far as we know. But they at least uh, had the conversation about what that would look like, which just tells you exactly where, where they're at right now. But, yeah, when, when you're not playing games for financial reasons, um, that is the biggest uh, indictment, I think, of the current situation.
1: You know, there's a lot of things to unpack here, and there's a lot of layers to this. And, you know, it'll be written and it'll be said that Herdman left the job uh, to take another. But there were a lot of people that suggested that if this current crop, this men's national team, was going to get to another level, maybe they need another level of manager. And that's all fine and great. But the problem with that is, given the resources, it's going to be really tough to attract a high-level, dare I say, um, upgrade at manager. I mean, there's only going to be a handful of guys that are going to be, one, qualified, and two, willing to take on what is a very tricky gig. Let's look at that right now. Who are some of the names that you've either heard or think might be in line? I know Mauro Biello is going to be the interim manager for now, but big picture. There is the dangling carrot if you get to manage a team at the 2026 World Cup. But as we pointed out earlier, the stick of the whole thing is there's not a lot of money involved in
3: this. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's so you're right, it is layered. Um, And listen, 2026, that is a big carrot, right? Playing home games in the World Cup um, is huge. You have Copa America next year, which is enormous. What an opportunity to to coach a team at one of the great world tournaments before the World Cup. That's great. But you're right, the money's not there. So as far as who's going to come in to replace John Herman, it's not going to be a big name simple as that you know I know people love to throw the name Carlo Ancelotti out there because he spends a lot of the year in Vancouver and uh, he's married to a Canadian woman Um, it's not happening I think Brazil is where he's going after this year's Real Madrid season and with respect to Canada Brazil is a a slightly bigger job um, and pays (laughs) a lot more as well so listen you're not going to get a top Christ manager, but I not to say you won't get a good one. Uh, Biello is one to look out for at this point. He, he's a really cultured football man in this country, knows the landscape really well, Worked under John Herman. He's the interim guy. He could be the long play here, you know, um, at least for the next few months. And he might be the solution as well. I, I really like the look at uh, Canadian Premier League. And that, that league's been invented essentially to provide a pathway for players uh, within Canada, but also for coaches, And there's some good coaches, really good coaches in that league right now. Bobby Smirniotis is a guy at Hamilton Forge who's won three or four championships. Um, He has a great pedigree in Canada. He he ran Sigma Academy, arguably the top academy in the country for years before Hamilton. Um, He's a great tactician. Um, He's just successful. I think he'd be a great choice as well. There's other names out there. So, you know, you're going to get someone who, who's going to probably make less than John Herbman as well. I mean, I'm not sure what John was on, but it's decent money for an international manager. Um, so Canada Soccer, obviously, with their financial difficulties, won't be throwing the bank at anyone. But there are some names out there, some intriguing names within Canada right now. I think that would be good choices. Is Phil
1: Neville a legitimate or serious candidate for this job?
3: Well, you know, a lot of people are rather their eyes when the name Phil Neville's is mentioned, right? But this is a guy that's been playing he's played at the very highest level under listen dare I say it maybe the greatest manager of all time is Alex Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Um he was at Miami through a difficult period. He didn't work out. Um he's coached Canada's uh, sorry England's women's team to, to some success. Um but I, I personally I think you've got to stay in the country. I, I don't think he's a choice. I mean certainly he'll be mentioned and I'm sure they'll talk to him. I would think that he would want too much money, but I, I don't know. Maybe to get his reputation back after the Miami experience. He, he needs to, um, but I, I think there's there's other choices out there A, as good who are Canadian. I think it's important to really keep that identity.
0: James, are you worried about the program? Like, where where are you right, right now with the, the Canadian men's
3: soccer yeah, team? Yeah, I am worried. Yeah, I'm worried. I mean, obviously, financially, it's it's you know it's of, of major concern. Where's the money going to come from? Why hasn't you know private business in Canada stepped up to the plate like everyone thought they would? They haven't done clearly. Um, But beyond that, I think there's issues with the team as well. There's divisions in the room. Um, You know, there's a lot of speculation about what happened at the World Cup. Uh, Did did John Herbman have issues with certain groups in that locker room as well? Are some players thinking they're they're bigger than Canada? Um, There's obviously the CBA, who hasn't even been signed yet. Pay equity. Is everyone aboard that? I don't know if they actually are, despite what they might say. So, yeah, these aren't good times. Um, Listen, there's still great talent coming through young talent, some talent in their prime, on the pitch with the right coach, they can still be successful within CONCACAF, and that's really important. But things aren't smooth. You know, the whole you know, era of the brotherhood qualifying for the World Cup, that's a long time ago now, you know, a long time ago. I don't think that brotherhood's quite as, uh, as galvanized as perhaps we, we've been led to believe.
1: So Jason brought this up earlier, and he was talking about uh, John Herman often described the tiers of T-I-E-R-S, t- by the way, not crying tears, but the tiers of, you know, uh, football globally and where players needed to be, right? And he would always say, you know, there's, MLS would be sort of like a tier three type thing, and you need more players playing top flight, A-level football in the big leagues in Europe and Champions League football and what have you. They've got some of players, I mean, they've got a, more than a handful of players now that are playing at that level. If the manager isn't from that level or at that level, is it going to be a disservice to the players? Because I think they're probably thinking that to take the next step and to be competitive at these big international tournaments like the Copa America and like the 2026 World Cup, you need a manager of that caliber. Is it, is it fair for me to say that hiring a guy, all due respect to the CPL, but hiring a guy to the CPL might fall short of that?
3: You know what? I mean, that, that might be the case, and that would be extremely disappointing if that is the case. If that's the, if that's the mindset of some players who understand, you would hope by this point, the financial realities of Canada soccer, and they expect that they can go out and get a Carlo Ancelotti or a, a Jurgen Klopp or someone, like, come on, be realistic here, guys. You know, so, so I mean, I hope they can swallow their ego and just give whoever it is the chance. I mean, that's why Biello, who's obviously worked with the team for, for some time now, um, is respected. You'd hope he's respected in that room as well. Um, so, but you know, would a Bobby Smyrniotis who has worked with a lot of these players at you know younger age grade levels, would he be um, accepted by an Alfonso Davis, for example? I, I really hope so, but I don't know. But it's a good question to ask because you know they have to put their egos aside if they want to be successful and understand you know that the realities of Canada soccer right now and what they're operating under, and that there can be some really talented coaching coming from within Canada who, who haven't had the opportunity. Listen, we, we hear all the time ex-players say the biggest handicap as a professional is having a Canadian passport. Well, it's the same thing for, for coaches too. There are very few Canadian coaches getting opportunities in top leagues because they're Canadian. Well, maybe now is an opportunity to, to show the world that, you know what, a Canadian can lead a pretty talented group to you know a, a decent performance at a Copa America or a home World Cup. I, I really look at it as being an opportunity now for Canada soccer here. Listen, you, you lose John Herbin, it's it's a shot to the gut. It is. It's a loss. But split the tables here. It's an opportunity now to give someone else a great opportunity.
0: It's so disappointing to hear you say ego over and over again. I'm not I'm not disappointed yeah. in you. I'm disappointed in like the the story because, you know, what we thought was happening and what I think did happen was like Canada came together as a team and they looked like a great team that had a goal. And they got to the World Cup. Nobody thought they could do it. Um, I certainly didn't think they could do it. And they gave us so many good moments, especially like here in Vancouver, like it's been low in terms of sports, like in our sports (laughs) success. And the Canadian men going to the World Cup was like our, our brief bit of optimism where we can actually like praise the team and be like, this is awesome. We're having so much fun watching this, getting to the World Cup. And we also have a lot of discussions about how egos can tear apart a team we talk about the Seattle Seahawks who had this this great team and then one bad thing happened and then the blame game started and these guys were like I'm not getting enough credit no I'm not getting enough credit this guy's favoring this guy etc cetera, etc cetera, and then the team kind of fell apart and to hear that it's happening for this Canadian soccer team at least what you seem to be inferring is pretty disappointing so how can they get it back on the rails?
3: Yeah, I mean it is a concern for sure. And listen, I'm not you know suggesting that the whole thing is falling apart. The seems here. There's right, still good right. leaders on that team. It's, you know, but there are definitely some some cliques within that that room, and it's understandable, right? You have got some players playing top like, top flight football, playing Champions League football. You know, they treat a certain way at their clubs, and they expect to be treated the same way with the national program. So it's kind of inevitable there will be some division at some point. Um, but you know, I, I think when you see a, a budgers in retire and leave that room that's a big loss um not so much on the pitch but he was you know the galvanizing force in that room he was the, the guy that everyone respected who'd answer to you know who's that new guy now who's stepping up i don't know right now um but it's key that they find that person or those people to have that leadership group where everyone buys in and buys into what the coach is saying i uh, hear you know, i mean there was a lot of speculation about the world cup about issues in the room between john herbman and, and certain players that's disappointing because, like you said there, you hit a nail on the head. They qualified because of that. They, they found something magical right in the qualifying campaign. They had that special moment where, where they all bought into what each were preaching. And it worked beautifully. They're not good enough to rely just on talent. They're just not. You know, We keep being told, oh, you know, it's a golden generation. And yeah, there's some really good players in that team play at a high level. But you know, they have to be a team first or they're not going to go anywhere. So um, I I guess internal leadership has to step up here, you know, within that room. And and who is, I I don't know. But they also got to play games, right, and have camps for these things to happen. If they're not having games and camps, then what is the point? What is the point? How do you find these these leaders? How do you find these systems? How can a coach possibly make any kind of inroads into a squad and a team and on the pitch and off the pitch without even having camps and games? You know, and it all comes down to money, right? Where is that coming from? And that would solve a lot of things.
1: Uh, One TFC question before we move on to um, the Premier League. Uh, It's a three-part, the rare three-part question. How will John Herdman fix TFC? Can he fix TFC? And does he need to take a scorched-earth approach to this whole thing?
3: (laughs) Yeah, uh, scorched-earth, I mean, uh, possibly, yeah. I, I imagine the first thing he does is sit down with Lorenzo Insigne, Federico Bernadeschi, guys who, okay, let's remove all, all, the, all the crap here for a second. Um, really good football players, high-level um, high, high level football players who should be dominant in this league. Sit them down, find out what has gone wrong, where their heads are at. Do they even want to be in Toronto? And if not, move them on. If they can buy in to what John Herban, and let's, let's not forget, John Herman is brilliant at bringing people together. That's what he does. He gets players playing above themselves and buying into his message. Um, if he can do that with those two players, that could be key. Or if they're not part of it, if they are the issue in the room, get rid of them, start again. My 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 feeling is they're going to go scorched earth. My feeling is they're going to have a complete rebuild. John Herbman will be given the keys to the car, so to speak here, um, and and he will have to start from a, from scratch essentially this off season. Um, we'll find out exactly what his role is. Obviously, Jason Hernandez is there as GM at the moment, uh, recently appointed GM. He'll be working with him. But what is John's actual title here? It's head coach and what else? Bob Bradley had the whole keys to the whole castle and it didn't work out. Will will Bill Manning, the president, give John Herman a similar role as Bob Bradley? It'd be really interesting. We'll find out more today at the press conference. But I think they've got to blow this thing up, honestly, and start all over again.
1: We're speaking to James Sharman from Room 442 in Footy Prime here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Premier League, as we look across, you know, it's like everything's different. There's new teams up. We've got new teams in the top five. West Ham's off to a tremendous start. But at the end of the day, it's the same old story. Man City <laughs> remains a perfect 3-0-0 through three matches. Uh, Liverpool had a very, very stirring result over the weekend with Newcastle. I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts some early takeaways. Early days in the Premier League, but some of the early takeaways from James Sharman.
3: Yeah, I love early takeaways in the Premier League season because then you look like an idiot fast forward five months because they mean absolutely nothing. Yep. Um, but you're right. Listen, City, treble winners, were they going to be able to, to maintain their hunger and desire this year? Well, so far you'd say yes. They're, they're yet to hit top gear, but they're 3-0. They're, they're piling up the points more than anyone right now. Um, I think it's going to be a real tight battle for those top four or five spots. And bear in mind, there could be a fifth spot in the Champions League for next year for English teams. Um, so it's going to be a tight, tight battle. Some really good teams in the league this year. Newcastle, you know, is, is the one that we're really kind of wondering what will they become? Will they take the next step now playing Champions League football? But we saw them lose to this Liverpool team coming off a really poor season last year by their standards. It looked great with 10 men. It was quite, I mean, used the term stirring is a great word to use. That's precisely what it was. But yeah, I, I see a bunch of really good teams this year. I would love to see a West Ham or a Brighton or an Aston Villa three teams that can really make some noise this year um, make some noise and and maybe finish and compete for those, those top four or five spots, but yeah, it's going to be a compelling season, but it all comes down to Man City. If they want to win it, if they can maintain their hunger, they're going to win it. It, It's that simple. They're just better. They're just deeper than everyone else, but uh, yeah, it's been a good start to the season. I've enjoyed each week. James, this was great, man. Thanks for
1: taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Uh, Enjoy the Herb Presser today. Should be interesting and uh, we'll do this
3: again soon. Absolutely, boys. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you. That's uh, James Sharman from Room 442 and Footy Prime here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The absolute ugliness of international basketball fully on display right now if you're watching this game. <laughs> it is gross. So I've, I think I mentioned this a few times. Uh, the rules and how you're allowed to defend uh, when a guy's dribbling around the perimeter are a lot different in FIBA. Mm-hmm. You're allowed a lot of contact, uh, basically above the foul line. So, what you see right now is anytime they try and do like a Canada tries to do any like one on one or isolation, the Latvians then clutch and grab like crazy.
0: Right. And there's no foul call. Right. And part of it is like that's how the game is played. But the other part is like you do it every time. And the bottom line is that Latvia is up 23 to 13 yep. on Canada, but it's basketball. So, we'll see what happens in the third and fourth quarter. Second, um, third, and fourth quarters. Yes. Um, yes. Um, but I mean, mostly basketball it comes down to the second half. That's. The mm-hmm. little joke there. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some reporting coming out about John Herdman and his, it sounds like a falling out with his players, frankly, mm-hmm. on the Canadian men's national team. Uh, Josh Cloke, is it Cloke? Josh Cloak yep. for The Athletic, who we've had on the show a few times, um, has written something for The Athletic uh, inside Herdman's decision to leave Team Canada and he writes that after a disagreement between Herdman and star player Alfonso Davies over Herdman's decision to deploy Davies in multiple positions throughout the World Cup multiple sources with an understanding of the relationship between Herdman and Davies said that things broke down between the coach and the star player the embarrassing loss to the United States in June of this year saw Herdman lose his footing within the dressing room mm-hmm. Some of the team's players did not respond to his motivational approach in the same way they did before the World Cup. There was a need for more tactical nuance and specific instruction. I mean, do you want me to put this in Canucks parlance for the people that are
1: like, what the hell are you guys talking about? It's not all that different from Bruce, there it is, part one, and then Bruce, there it is, part two. Where Bruce, Bruce, there it is, got by on good vibes and motivating and patting the boys on the back and they played great. Yeah. And then when it was like, okay, time to start making adjustments and, you know, having things like spots on the ice to be and places to play and structure and mm-hmm. have it. He's like, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> Come on, boys. Like, Just know it. It's in your heart. I had talked to enough people around this that knew. And again, Herdman did a fantastic job of framing this as it all came down to resources. And some of that's true. I think he knew his strengths and weaknesses as a manager, and where he might have been weak in terms of tactics and deployment. You can strengthen those things by bringing in, you know, assistant coaches and right. video analysis and advanced scouting, and they just didn't have the budget to do that. So he, <laughs> I think, at a certain point, he probably acknowledged, like, yeah, I can't do this on my own. I but need the, some help. But the players, mm-hmm. and I've talked to enough people, kind of in and around this program, who said the players know. The players know. When a guy is out of his element,
0: out of his depth. They know. I'm pretty sure Davies is confident in the instruction he's getting at Bayern.
1: Yeah, he's played against some of the top, most highly regarded managers in the world. Thomas Tuchel, Champions League winner, right? I mean, these were talking about the elite tacticians in their sport. And this isn't just an Alfonso Davies thing. This is uh, Jonathan David plays... In the top league in France, mm-hmm. you know, you got more guys that are making inroads in top five leagues in Europe. So they see the differences in tactical approach, awareness, all that kind of stuff. And this isn't meant to say that John Herdman is just the rah-rah sort of like, let's go get them boys, win one for the Gipper type manager. Yeah. But it's impossible for him to have the tactical acumen of a Ancelotti or all these other pie in this guy named Jürgen Klopp. all Because he's just, he's not there. And he's never going to be there. He's he's a really great organizer and a really great manager and a really great program builder.
0: Uh, Randy Mueller is going to join us next. What are we going to talk about with Randy?
1: Uh, he is a former Saints and Dolphins general manager. We're going to talk to him about his experiences on NFL Cut Day, which is today. Uh, we can also talk, I want to kind of ask him well, what's it like working in the XFL because it's gone through so many iterations. It's now owned by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That's how you have to say his name, by the way. You can't call him Dwayne. You can't call him Dwayne Johnson. You can't call him The Rock. You have to call him Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So we'll talk to him about all that. And then at 7.30, Ian Furness is going to join us. We'll talk Mariners and we'll talk Seahawks with him. It's a big 7 o'clock hour, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.